1: Welcome into the PHNX suns podcast brought to you by our friends, the Rocking Sportsbook App, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. We greatly appreciate your support. I'm Lindsay Smith. That's Saul Bookman. That's Gerald Bourget. Gentlemen, it was a. Uh, 2 Day weekend for us, uh, no games recently because the all star break is in full swing. Uh, the NBA all star game was last night. Did you guys take it in? How'd you enjoy it?
2: Two days off, yeah. <laughs> when they break that news yesterday, I was like, Son of a
1: bitch! Oh, yeah, yeah. we'll get into that knew a little that bit more like later in the show.
2: <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst part about it is like, you know, you knew it was coming. You're like, mm-hmm. Come on, like Suns, yeah. NBA, just. Let us have the day, please. You could have broke it
3: this morning. No big deal.
1: Or no, Friday, or Friday,
3: or Saturday when they.
1: Or Thursday. He got the
3: MRI Friday morning, so it's not like they didn't.
1: Oh know. yeah, I guess it was Friday morning. Wasn't yeah, it?
3: that's when he flew to LA and got the MRI. But we found out what like an hour before the All Star
1: Game, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um which if if you want to go and kind of vent it out a little bit, the <laughs> podcast before this was Saul and Espo. They kind of broke that down a little bit, and like I said, we'll get into that later on in the show, but because it's been covered quite a bit, we'll hold that off until the end, and Mm -hmm. let's talk about the NBA All-Star game, because we did have some representation out there this year. Devin Booker and Chris Paul were both um, in attendance and participated, obviously, with that injury. Chris Paul only played a handful of minutes, um, didn't do anything too extreme. I personally don't have a problem. With Chris Paul playing, I think he's a pro's pro he knows best, and he wouldn't have done anything that really put him in harm's way. Plus, both teams knew he was injured. They weren't going to intentionally try and mess that up any worse.
2: There wasn't a guy out there that wasn't conscious about what was going on with CP3 and wanted to be that dude right. to try and steal the ball or play defense on him mm-hmm. in a way that would cause uh, significant harm. Like Nobody wanted to be that guy, and plus... Like, there's something special about the NBA fraternity and, and when they understand those kind of things. Like, listen, they're out there to put on a show. The fans want to see them. Um There's not a lot of defense being played in the first place anyway. Just let him live his life for a couple minutes, Get you know, to say he played in the game and then move on.
3: Yeah, I was laughing at Nick's comment in the <laughs> chat. A handful of minutes. Got to hand right. it to him. That was but pretty I'm- funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry Shane But yeah he played two minutes Like it's not a big deal uh, He didn't do anything He barely dribbled the ball It's fine I'm glad he got to check in there Even if it was just kind of like a curtain call type deal
1: My thought on it too is that he probably realizes You know he's coming to the tail end of his career Who knows what the next couple of years might look like for him mm-hmm. It might be time for him to pass the torch to a younger, up-and-coming All-Star in the league, you just never know. So Mm -hmm. I think at this point in a career like that, you really want to take advantage of every opportunity and every special moment that you can to really just have those memories, especially being the 75th anniversary and the amount of history that was in the building at that time. He wanted to be a part of that, and I get it.
2: That's the main reason. I think we all kind of forgot about that when we were asking whether or not he was going to play in the All-Star game. And then once you realized it was the 75th anniversary and he was on that team, there's no shot he was going to miss the All-Star game at all. Like, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck if my left arm was completely broken. I'm still going to play. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. and you're going to be there for that moment. And what a moment that was to see all those greats out there and 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 them all just, you know, being one big frat, essentially. Uh, that was probably one of the cooler things i've seen really in
3: the last couple years it was it was the longest halftime show ever (laughs) but it was totally worth it i I was would have rather seen that than dj khaled performing for 25 minutes Mm -hmm. but and also we should mention the um inaugural award that he won the kobe and gg WNBA advocacy award like he had plenty of reasons to want to be there and i'm glad he got to play because who knows if this is i don't think it'll it's his last All Star game, but it could be. You just never know. know. Yeah.
1: You just so. never know. So, may as well take advantage of the opportunities as they come. But let's talk about Devin Booker because he did actually play, <laughs> like legitimately play in the All Star game. Of course, Team LeBron ultimately won 163 to 160. But our guy, Devin Booker, he played 30 minutes. He logged 20 points on 50% shooting. He had four steals, two assists, and five rebounds. Um, my favorite moment from this game was when Chris and Devin were kind of going toe to toe, and Devin did that little fake rip through on him. I thought that was adorable.
2: I mean that was that was it was adorable. <laughs> it was great. I, that's one way to put it. It was adorable. Got you there. It was I was cute. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard a play be called adorable before. And if
1: there I don't was ever a to play say. to be called adorable, it'd be that one because you know it was all playful. It was in like good fun. <laughs> yeah. It
2: was adorable. I, I remember Espo texted me <laughs> around halftime saying, uh, should we do an emergency pod if Devin Booker wins the MVP? And I said he's not winning MVP. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because that there's that other dude over there that just hit five straight threes, Mm -hmm. um, and he just looks like he's going to own the moment, (laughs) and he sure did with 45 and 15 Mm -hmm. threes. Like, I wish Devin. I thought Devin had a good shot at it for a little bit because he was he was balling. He was playing good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Then for a long time too.
3: Then that Curry guy. Then he hit 16 threes and (laughs) scored 50 points, and (laughs) then that was over. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) yeah. But no, it, it was good. It was good to see him. Not only like we all talked about how he was the first pick for Kevin Durant among the reserves, and then for him to be on the floor in closing time, mm-hmm. like the players are pretty much the ones who decide who's going to be on the floor in closing time. So for him to have that respect from the players is, is pretty cool to see. Even if he, you know, he started seven to ten and then he kind of cooled off, but it was it was fun to see him get extended minutes at least.
1: Devin played um, the second most. On his team. So Joel Embiid had 31 minutes. Devin had 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then on Team LeBron, you had LeBron and Steph obviously logged 36 minutes in that game. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was able to, because I feel like I don't, I should have looked up the numbers from not last year because he didn't play, but the year before Mm -hmm. the first time he played in an all-star game. I can't remember him seeing that much playing time. It was almost like, oh, yeah, you're just down there. Mm -hmm. It
2: was like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, and I was
1: like, put Devin in the game. Mm -hmm. Come on, bro. Um, But we actually got to see Devin in the game this time, which was great. Like you said, he did miss a couple of those three-pointers there late in the game, which would have been nice if he would have (laughs) knocked those down. Mm -hmm. But there were some really cool highlights from this one, like that one-handed jam. Yeah, that that was alley-oop
3: was great. That was beautiful. Um, But yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see sons get the recognition, even if he should have been starting. I think Fabio mentioned it, that Draymond brought it up on the the broadcast that he should have been starting. And that's kind of like an unintentional slap in his own teammates face because we all know who shouldn't have been starting if Devin Booker should have been. But I digress.
1: I mean, I feel like Draymond would straight up say that, too. He'd be like, if it wasn't for the fan vote, there's no reason this guy over here should be starting over you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, a million percent. He would be honest He's, about He it. basically said it during the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you should have been starting. Like, well, if mm-hmm. there's one player out here that shouldn't be starting, who would it be there, Draymond? Yeah, yeah your own teammate. That's why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a fun game overall. One thing that came out of it that I thought was really interesting was on the broadcast. They said Chris Paul had a hand in the whole target score format. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're,
2: really, you're really liking that pun right now. <laughs> he had a hand well, in. you know
1: i can't help it <laughs> give her it a just hand um uh, what else would? what other like ism would know. you put there i
2: gotta hand it to you you're, you're, you're playing it well
3: there you go <laughs> oh the fingers are all pointing
2: <laughs> at Lord chris, have paul. Mercy.
1: <laughs> chris paul played a role in the target score format for all-star um uh, mm. for the all-star game and i Dang it! My my little my other little thing was I love how he's got a thumbprint on so much of it. <laughs> and this was all legitimately inten- unintentional. <laughs> Lord have mercy! Oh, um, no. But it is kind of neat because you we, we found out just a couple weeks ago Chris Paul also was one of the people who pushed to have the draft televised. Mm-hmm. Then this format for the All Star Game, like. If you're talking about history and just kind of how we were talking about the 75th anniversary and how much history was in that building, Chris Paul is going to go down as one of those players that really had an impact on this league.
2: You know, if he didn't have a role at the uh in the players association for so long, um I would see a path where Chris Paul would work for the league. <laughs> yeah, I can. In see terms that. of um, you know, not I don't know if game management is the right thing to say, but the aesthetics of the game and how the game should be played and what structure some of these events should have because he's really in tune with that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been times, you know, obviously we got into this business because we fell in love with watching the game and, and the game itself. And there's there's not a there's not anybody out there that hasn't watched the game and be like, you know, what? it'd be nice if they did this or did mm-hmm. this. Right. And Chris Paul can actually have an influence on whether or not they do that. And I think that's really cool. And that's that's the cool thing about learning more about Chris Paul because he's a Phoenix son and seeing how his mind works and all the things that have come out in the last couple of years. Um, that makes me appreciate him so much more than I think I ever have before. I just didn't appreciate Chris Paul until he got here, to be honest with you. I just didn't appreciate him. And you really don't appreciate him until you see him every single day, every single night, and then you see the other nuances of Chris Paul and what he's really into and what he does off the court mm-hmm. with the HBCU stuff, you know, and the voting, and the voting you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pushing for like the Kobe stuff like he's a phenomenal individual. He really
3: is. Yeah. I mean, he's he's involved with so much on and off the court that's advancing the game of basketball at almost every stage. It's incredible. Just how much of himself he's willing to give to all these various different things, not to mention, you know, being the teammate and the point guard and just the all around player that he is on the court. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I feel like if it wasn't for the players association thing, cause he definitely cares more for the players than the actual league itself, which makes sense. Cause it's, it's a brotherhood and he's one of the leading faces of that kind of idea. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like he's definitely going to be involved with the league in some capacity once his playing days are over. But it'll be interesting to see what. Now, that if you can convince like. some dudes to, that should be in the dunk contest to be in the Please, dunk contest. Please, for the love of God, that would that be great was so bad. that was
2: awful.
3: There were like five dunks in the actual in the actual All Star game that, that were, were better, better yeah. than anything that was in <laughs> yeah. the slam dunk contest.
2: I, John Morant should have been in the slam dunk contest. Like yeah. that guy's bounce is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I just that's the other part of this is like superstars. I feel like are missing out on an opportunity to really take them their own brand to another level. And there's no contest really besides the, the dunk and the three that will do that more than anything, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can remember guys in the past. I mean, Larry Bird, you know, did the whole shooting the three pointer holding the finger up. And that's like Mm -hmm. one of the most iconic moments in NBA history. Like Mm -hmm. that's what set, set the tone for the three point contest to move forward. You know what I mean? And then you move like, Jordan and Dominique, like they established their own brands at a much higher level because it was an individual, you know, opportunity to do so. And mm. they took advantage of it multiple times. And so I wish today's athlete and today's NBA player would realize that. And Zach Levine is not Zach Levine until the slam dunk contest. People knew he was good, but this the dunk contest took him to another level. In terms of popularity uh, mm-hmm. across amongst NBA fans, like I wish players understood that. Not that John Morant needs that, but again, like he can separate himself from the pack. He can sell so many more jerseys and brand himself so much more in terms of his own individual revenue um, if he took advantage of that opportunity. Because I think he would probably win it. In okay.
1: My two yeah. follow up questions. Mm-hmm. One did some of these superstars turn down the invitation this year or were they even asked? Do we know? If
2: John Moran says, I want to be in the slam dunk contest, he's going to be in the slam dunk contest. The NBA is not saying no to that. So it's not that they were asked and they turned it down. They just didn't want to volunteer to do it.
1: Okay. Then secondly, um, do you think that that's a way of them kind of giving some limelight to other players in the league? No.
3: I I think it is, but I think it's by default because I think we've gotten – to the point where star players would rather be on the sidelines getting gift or memed as reactions to the dunk contest than being in the actual dunk contest. Like, I will never forgive LeBron for never being in the slam dunk contest because I would rather see mediocre or okay dunks from superstars than... These ambitious dunks that they can't even finish from a bunch of no-name guys. Yeah, that's like, the that's the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Is if if you have superstars that say no or don't want to be in the slam dunk contest, and you have mid to lower level players that are in the slam dunk contest, those mid to level lower level players better show out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, at a at a crazy level that people don't even remember the fact that the superstars weren't in it. Right. But l- this one definitely was not like that. Mm-hmm. It was terrible i don't even
3: know who the hell was in it to
2: be I'll honest,
1: be honest i didn't watch it i was didn't watch it either i saw the
2: I
3: highlights did. and i was like man i'm glad i didn't watch that i watched all freaking hour and a half of it and it was awful and i kept hoping that like maybe one of these dunks will be cool and i literally realized at the end of it i'm not gonna remember a single one of these dunks Never. tomorrow morning like yeah. it was legitimately the worst slam dunk contest our guy ever.
2: Our, our guy mega ran was there
3: and he took a
2: a, a screen or a, a recording of um i forgot who it was that left he did a dunk missed it and then kareem gets up and Mm -hmm. walks out yeah (laughs) and he's like embarrassing the ancestors is what was his tag was and uh (laughs) it went viral and espn took it and used it today so like it just was not a great performance especially on the 75th anniversary again like Mm -hmm. this was the time for the big dogs to get out there and show them what they got. Yep.
1: Okay, Chris brings up a point in the chat. The way the dunk contest has been judged lately turned players off. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Uh, Dwayne Wade turned players off. Yeah. Like he robbed Aaron Gordon um, twice uh, in the slam dunk contest. Like Aaron Gordon should have won one of those dunk contests because he was unbelievably good two years mm. um, and they robbed him. Zach Levine won. Cool. But the next year against Derrick Jones, there was no reason why Aaron Gordon didn't win that. And, but it was because of of uh, Dwayne Wade. And I know for a fact that the NBA players were not about to put themselves out there like that and then be basically embarrassed by Dwayne Wade or some judge that thought, well, you know, I want to give it to the understudy right here or this younger guy because that's a better story. Like, no, fuck that. I won the dunk contest. Give me the grade. Well,
1: because then you get ripped on Twitter, too. Yeah. I mean, I will say, though, that Aaron uh, Gordon... uh Diss track that came out after that was one of the greatest pieces oh, of content. I'm sorry, I
3: died. I was NBA like, "Bro, you got to let that so go. <laughs> you can't be recording diss tracks about the slam dunk contest." it was hilarious. So bad. No, it was so, it. Good, no it, was so it was so good, Gerald. It was so good. It was the corniest of corny it things. It
1: was so good. <laughs> the music <laughs> so video, the quality ball. of everything. It was oh. ultimate troll level. Like one, he wasn't
3: trolling though. He was serious.
2: He like. Remember, he was it. sitting on the couch with a glass of wine, and I was like, What the fuck? Man? It was so sure.
3: good. <laughs> Even Saul, the it U of was a so guy, bad is bad. like, Yeah, <laughs> we, need a, we need a girth diss track. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was so perfect. All oh, right. Um, the only other thing that I want to talk about around the All Star game is um, we already touched on this a little bit, but the amount of love for Devin Booker. The He posted on his Instagram, they had like a mural on one of the buildings in Cleveland that had him and I don't remember the other players. It was LeBron. It was Mm -hmm. probably Steph. And I think Jaw was on it. And it was kind of symbolic of, like, these two are the established faces currently, and then these two are, like, the next face of the league. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how I kind of read into it if you wanted to get real deep with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said something along the lines of, like, it's really cool to be basically up there with those guys. And everyone in the comment section are like, you are that guy, though. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing. And I just think this weekend kind of put him on the map a little bit more um, because you got more love from players around the league, more eyes across the world on him as well. And I just really appreciated the amount of respect for him that came from this game.
2: Well, even him speaking about the legends uh, during that halftime ceremony. Um, mm-hmm. Each one of them had to go through the line and, and say a little blurb, and he was one of the four guys that actually got to to speak. And I think that speaks volumes as well, because you have the legends, like the the best of the best ever, right. standing right behind you, um, and for you to have to come out and and, and be asked to say a few words. Um, I think the I think the NBA, I think the NBA, the players in the NBA, the coaches all understand the value of Devin Booker. Mm. The only people that don't. Are basically the the East Coast media and people that are just kind of casual casual observers, mm. like they don't understand what Devin Booker really is and what he brings to the table. Like, but people that are in the game, that's why he has so much respect from so many guys. It's because they understand how hard he works, that he's one of the best in the league. And damn it, he deserves to get recognized on this level because he is he is one of the top five guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's indisputable. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad he's getting
3: this shine because he deserves it. Yeah, this was the last couple all-stars because he was an injury replacement. It felt like, okay, he's a young up-and-coming player. Now after a finals run, after an Olympic gold, after being voted in and deserving to be a starter, honestly, he kind of got gypped as being (laughs) a reserve in this. But it, it just solidifies him as like, no, it's not the future. It's right now. And I think Dwayne Rankin tweeted it out that they have the different setups for the players for like media interviews for all-star players. And he was on the main one mm-hmm. with Steph Curry, Giannis, mm-hmm. um, Joel Embiid, those main like faces of the league. And he was one of those guys that was on that main stage. So that's pretty cool to see that. If
2: if you're not a serious MVP contender or if, if you're a serious MVP contender or won the MVP or – have taken your team to the NBA Finals and balled out mm-hmm. like you're not secondary to anybody. Mm-hmm. You, you're just not. And Devin Booker's approaching that that echelon of not even being secondary to Steph Curry. He's still got a little ways mm-hmm. from Steph Curry, obviously, because Steph Curry's won championships and stuff like that, But mm-hmm. uh, and MVPs, but he's on his way. He's tracking in that direction. I feel like, and we're going to get to this here in a second, but I feel like book understands the moment right now. Mm-hmm. Like I really, really feel like that. And I think this weekend took it just a little bit further for him. Um, I'm very excited to see what he's going to do in the second half. And I, and I think that that's that crisp, the Chris Paul injury is going to be such a blessing in disguise for that, that young guy.
1: In a lot of different ways, but we'll get into that in a second. So it was Kevin Durant and LeBron with uh John book, which makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. uh, just to clear that up. Also, one thing to note, Devin finally opened up his comment section on Instagram, which he had he basically had comments on his Instagram post turned off since I started following him basically when he became a son. And I understand why he had that. But I think um, I don't know what the move was, why he decided to open up comments again on Instagram. But I think that's a really big move. Obviously, he's going to get a lot of trash talk in some of those comments as all (laughs) players do across the league um but i think that's going to be helpful for him to just kind of build up that fan base a little bit more like let fans feel like they can talk to him more on these different social media platforms um which is pretty great anything else on the all-star break or would you guys ready to move on
3: Let's, go. All right. let's, all right. let's talk about the big stuff. Okay,
1: well, before we do that, let me tell all the Hoops fans out there about the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So this one is too good to pass up. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use that promo code PHNX And when you bet just $1 on any NBA team, you're going to get $150 in free bets if they win, when you use that promo code PHNX. Now, we all know DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, it's secure, it's reliable, it's an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. So combine multiple bets for the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, obviously, the more money you can win. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, which is a really great uh, function of this app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and don't forget to use that code PHNX. Just a reminder, that is 21 and older only, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. So the sad part of this podcast, uh, Chris Paul is going to be sidelined for anywhere from six to eight weeks, potentially longer, with a right thumb avulsion fracture. So the reports came out. He will be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. So we don't exactly have a full on time frame of when he will return are you guys bummed? Like scale of one to ten, how frustrating or worried are you?
2: I'm at like a two. A I'm, two, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned about this at all. I just, I just am not. I, I, I mentioned it a bit ago. I feel like it's a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. I, I said yesterday with Espo on the podcast that I just feel like this is an opportunity for Chris to rest. Number one, which he's going to need rest heading into the playoffs. And since Monty was trying to play him damn near forty minutes a game, this is the best way to get it. So here we go. Um, and you know, it, and it, and it's going to elevate everybody else's play, which I don't think is a bad thing. And so when Chris Paul comes in, it's just it's gonna it should be relatively easy for everybody to adjust to Chris Paul. Um, and I, I think it's gonna be fine.
3: Yeah, I think it's gonna be fine. I'd put it at about a four or five. I don't think you ever want a player's projected timeline to return to be lining up with when the playoffs start. That's never an ideal situation, but, you know, this team has more than enough depth to withstand that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, Um, but we should probably talk about what the injury actually is. and, And we had a special guest help us out with that.
1: Yeah. So we were able to have Dr. Raj, who is a doctor of physical therapy, join us for a quick chat earlier today. So we're going to play that interfer- interview for you guys, and then we'll discuss it um, once we're done with that. Welcoming in Dr. Raj, doctor of physical therapy, fitness and movement coach, mindfulness sports scientist. You can follow him on Twitter at 3 Performance. Dr. Raj, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. How are you?
0: Hey, not too bad. I wish I was joining on a uh, better pretenses. Yeah. So, how y'all doing?
1: <laughs> We're doing well. Thank you. Of course, as we know, Chris Paul has suffered a right thumb avulsion fracture. So mm-hmm. can you kind of just break this down for us? Explain exactly what that
0: injury is. Sure. So break is the up term, I think. And so essentially with an avulsion, what happens is, it's that either a muscle or a tendon essentially chips off a piece of the bone. And in this case, it happened at most likely, if you looked at where he was grabbing at when the injury happened and how it happened, he was grabbing at like the base, the inner base of that thumb called the ulnar side. And so yeah, then he jammed it. I can't remember on what specific player, one of the Rockets players. And so that can lead to the muscle pulling off, chipping off a piece of that bone. And so that's why you saw him in a cast. They're allowing for that bone to heal. And then as you guys heard about, I'm sure yesterday, that return timeline, you have to allow for bone healing. And so he'll be reevaluated in that six to eight week timeframe.
3: So with that time frame, a lot of people have been wondering about this because back in 2017 he missed, I think his original timeline was six to eight weeks, but he missed like five and a half with a UCL thumb injury, which is mm-hmm. obviously different, but I was just curious to clear up some of that confusion. Is this a similar type of situation where he might be able to return before that projected timeline, or is it just hard to say?
0: So with the UCL thumb injury, that's a ligament injury. There's actually a new technique that they use to help actually expedite that process, which is why well, you likely saw him come back quicker? Um, like for example, Lakers' Taylor Horton Tucker came back in about five weeks mm-hmm. with the same procedure. I think it's Dr. Shin in LA that they both use, and so that's kind of that time frame has now kind of been outdated. Whereas when it comes to fractures, you have to allow for that bone healing. Mm-hmm. And is there always a chance that he could, could he might come back quicker? Of course, right? But we haven't really seen as much in the data. And also when it comes to these injuries, we don't really know the full specifics, whereas with a UCL thumb injury, it's a lot more specific because you know the specific ligament. All we know in this case is that, hey, he has a fracture in that thumb and it can even come down to kind of the extent of that fracture as well. How much was chipped off, right? Sure. Sure. We don't know.
1: So best case scenario, six to eight weeks, worst case scenario, what does that kind of look like? Since we don't know... Just kind of going from one end of the spectrum to the other.
0: Yeah, I would say best case, you know, he's reevaluated at six. And then typically is about typically with most apps, about a week return to play to get him back up to speed. And so you're looking at seven weeks, which coincides with the start of the playoffs, right? Um, worst case scenario is that there's some complication in his rehab. There's something sometimes called a stener lesion, which can interfere with healing, which can push that out to eight to 10 weeks. Although it's not, it's not all that common. And they would know that early on. I think the fact that he had, he doesn't, he didn't have surgery, excuse me. And he actually played in part of the all-star game probably is a good indicator that, Hey, it's not surgery isn't required. And it's not, you know, all that significant or they wouldn't have let him play in that game the biggest thing to me with chris being an older player and you have the playoffs obviously coming up is that getting him up to speed quickly and back in rhythm and the fact that it's on his right shooting his dominant shooting hand is also a key consideration here right and so those to me are more of considerations in the actual healing process
3: sure that makes sense and i that was kind of going to be my follow up is you know you mentioned in your video that you posted on Twitter um, about range of motion and that rehab and recovery process. Do you think that this is a situation where he probably won't start shooting and dribbling until after he's been reevaluated just, or is that something that he can gradually work in over the next few weeks?
0: It's hard to say, but I think it just depends on how he recovers. Mm-hmm. And so with these injuries, especially at the at the elite pro level where you're checking in daily with the players, There's no like, oh, just come back in in three weeks and we'll see how you are, Mm -hmm. right? Like like anyone else would be. It's, hey, hey hey man, how are you doing today? If we need imaging, we'll get the imaging. And so you can start that process whenever that healing is completed or completed to the extent that it's required. And then you're seeing indicators based on that range of motion, that strength, what that pain and discomfort level is like. And so if you start to see him back on the court prior to that six weeks, um, it's, it's a pretty indicator that he's going to be cleared at that reevaluation point. And so those are always things to pay attention to. I, I think a key thing with this also is the fact that it is part of his upper body. So we mm-hmm. can still maintain his conditioning level. Whereas mm-hmm. let's say if it was lower body, you're going to be typically you know, de-weighted or not allowed to do some of that conditioning work. And that's really important for him considering the intensity of the playoffs and how much, um, you know, emphasis there is on him in the playoffs, especially with this, you know, him being on the ball as much as he is.
1: So what exactly does the rehab recovery process look like here? Is it just as simple as getting rest and, and keeping that, uh, that wrist uh, steady or that thumb steady?
0: No, I mean, typically, so more and more protocols now are you want to, when it's possible, get back to range of motion strength work as quickly as you can, as quickly, of course, balancing that with the healing of the bone. And that's always a question is, at what point is the bone healed enough, where you can start now um, implementing some of that range of motion, the flexibility and the strength work back into especially, you know, as I said, with his right hand where the grip strength is really important for him. And so the quicker you can get, get back to that, it, the quicker typically you see returns. And the main thing with finger injuries in general is that range of motion and not letting those, those things stiffen up because they will stiffen up really, really quickly. And so that's going to be the key, key considerations with him.
3: Sure. And I think we all know Chris Paul pretty well. He's a guy that, Will probably, even if he's not fully healed, might try to play through something if it comes to playoff time. Is this, is there a risk of re injury with this type of thing?
0: Typically not. Typically not. Once the fracture is healed and he clears all the indicators, uh, he should be good to go. It's more so of a concern if it is a ligament injury and things of that nature. But I mean, long term with these injuries, and I mentioned this in the video, the prognosis, you know, is is quite good. And so, of course, he's going to miss the time. But the Suns have a six and a half game lead, you know, so they've earned that cushion for him. And so I think Alton's considered the fact that it is just an avulsion fracture and there isn't ligament damage. Those are good sides.
1: Is there anything else that we should be aware of with an injury like this or any final thoughts for
0: us? No, I think I think the main thing I'd like to talk about is just um, I know they gave that six to eight week timeline, but once he's healed, it's really just paying attention for people who want to, you know, really understand when he might come back. It's just focusing on, Hey, you know, is he maybe on the court more often? Is he getting some of that ball work in? Right. And, and so that's really the true indicators that about whether he's in a return at six weeks or if it will be longer.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Raj, for your time and your information. We really appreciate you joining us today. And one more time, for everyone listening, you can follow Dr. Raj on Twitter at 3 Performance. He puts out a lot of great informational videos around sports and uh, sports physical therapy. We'll see you next time. Thank you. So, yeah, that was a really informative conversation. <laughs> Shed some light on sort of what we're dealing with here Um Six to eight weeks, likely potentially less, potentially more. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. And Gerald, I'm sure at practices and shoot arounds, he'll be <laughs> able to keep us updated when uh, hopefully we see Chris Paul back the, out doing some court work and things of that nature.
3: Yeah, Chris Paul watch was already going to be underway at every practice the rest of the season. But now hearing him say that, you know, it could be something where if that has healed because they are checking in day to day. That's something we'll definitely want to keep an eye on. And the big thing for me was that he said the risk of re-injury is low with something like this as long as it heals properly and there's no setbacks. So that's good to hear. Um, and now we have a lot of background on this injury and, and mm-hmm. kind of what to expect moving yeah. forward.
2: Can't wait till the first time Chris Paul picks up a pen and signs something with his right hand Stop and it. everybody loses their mind. <laughs> it's gonna be
1: great.
3: He's back! He's back! Uh, <laughs> back.
2: Like, no.
1: AZ Card Scenic Suns on God said, so basically don't count on him coming back. I don't know if you're joking or being playful with that, but um, <laughs> no. What comment? surgery. Oh, if he needs surgery, he's out for it's the rest not, of the year. And that's a possibility. If
3: he needed surgery, he would have already probably yeah. scheduled or had I a agree. surgery. You I know. feel
1: like if it was to the point where they even thought he might need surgery, they probably would have just done it to be able to heal – give that – more time to heal potentially
2: yeah and basically the only reason that would even happen is if the fractured piece was so far away from the actual bone that it couldn't it couldn't um what do you call it reattach heal, yeah. like, heal together like yeah. um solidify or whatever you call it
1: well and like Gerald said, dr raj doctor said that the he, <laughs> there's no real risk of re-injuring or anything of that sort so right if chris paul knows that it can't get too much worse he's gonna push through it like yeah. he did um there's no
2: like chance. There's the last year, we yeah. played there's through no ligament damage. Paul misses the playoffs. Yeah, there's no way. He might, depending on who they play in round one, he might miss a few games of round one. But there's just no chance after that that he misses this. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, we'll be fine.
1: But with him sideline for the next couple of weeks, what are some things that we might see with this team in his absence? What do you guys think?
2: Well, <laughs> listen. There is one, this is the main thing, the main takeaway that I have right now. We've been talking all year about why CP3 or Devin Booker are not being seriously considered for MVP, despite the fact that they're performing at a very high level, mm-hmm. but everybody else is getting shine. Well, it's probably because both of them kind of neutralize each other to some right. degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now for Devin Booker specifically, that is not the case. He has 24 games to show the, the world that with or without CP three in the fold, they're gonna be just fine. And I truly, truly feel like Devin realizes this, this is his MVP moment. This is the time where he can he can really assert himself um, and play at such a level, much like he did in the Western Conference Finals last year and for in games one and two, where he just basically dominated those games. Mm. Um, I could I could see that. And this is his moment. This is his moment. If he's gonna win an MVP, this is this is his first real legitimate shot at winning an MVP. Um, now that Chris Paul is out of the fold,
3: yeah, and it's uh, I don't know if he'll fully submit his name the way that you know because right now the top of the conversation it goes Joe Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, and then it's kind of everybody else. I don't know if he'll be able to throw his hat into the ring like those three because he ha- he does have some ground to make up, even though he's the arguably the best player on the best team. But uh, Kendrick Perkins did agree with you to a certain extent. Yeah,
1: I was going to say one thing that he does have on his side is that a lot of media members are paying attention to this right now, and they're already starting the conversation about him trying to kind Mm -hmm. of put his name in that hat, like you said. So let's hear what Kendrick Perkins had to say about it.
0: I believe Devin Booker is a superstar. Stephen A., you believe that Devin Booker is a superstar. Molly, you believe that Devin Booker is a superstar. Now it's time for Devin Booker to prove to us that he's a superstar, that he could be a superstar and win games without Chris Paul. Because no matter how we want to look at it, that, no matter how we want to look at it, the fact of the matter is, is that Devin Booker has not showed us that he's capable of winning games without Chris Paul yet. And this is his time to show us that he's capable of being not only a superstar and getting buckets, but being the leader of this team and going out there and keeping the boat afloat and going out there and leading this team to victories.
1: So at least they're paying attention. At least this is a topic of conversation that will hopefully have more people watching what Devin Booker that we've seen him do for a while.
2: Now. I, I will disagree with, with Perk on one on one point, is that he has shown mm-hmm. that he can he can lead this team to victory despite the fact Chris Paul not being there. We saw I just mentioned it last year in the Western conference finals. Like he balled out those first couple games without CP three in the fold. Um and even during the Lakers series, CP three was definitely not there. He's even admitted that he had basically no use Of his arm Mm -hmm. in that series and Devin Booker if we were all remember he started off with a three-point barrage and I think game six and basically cemented their 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 win um, over the Lakers like he's been able to do it now This is gonna be for a longer stretch of time. Mm -hmm. This is during the regular season not the playoffs So, you know, we all know that players get up for for bigger games than normal and it's funny that you mentioned Embiid and all those other guys because he literally is going to play all three of those guys in these next 24 games as well. He's got a matchup at the Nuggets, he's got a matchup at the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's got home against the 76ers. I'm excited to see how Devin Booker performs and not to mention one more game against the Warriors in San Francisco um which those four games right there are the four games that I'm kind of looking towards because if he can come out 3 and 1, 4 and 0 and dominate in those games, I think you can all but assure yourself of an MVP trophy. For Devin Booker.
3: Yeah, I, I think, you know, 40 point triple double in game one of the conference finals, that 46 or 48 point barrage against the Lakers to close him out. Like, we've, he doesn't have to prove mm. anything, but if he does want to be a legitimate MVP contender, this is his opportunity to do so. And it'll be exciting to see not just him, but also some of these other younger players get that chance to prove, like, okay, yes, Chris Paul coming here changed the culture, it taught us how to win. But it's not just Chris Paul. Like These young guys are actually really talented and can win games on their own now. So we're going to get to see that. And, and with Book specifically, we should point out, we might get to see more Point Book lineups. And so far this year, we've only seen 34 Don't minutes start, of them. Don't start, We've only seen 34 minutes of them. They're plus nine in that time. And the Point Book lineup against the Rockets the other night was what saved the game. Um, we might see those lineups in a pinch. The Suns are getting guys back, so that's good for their backcourt. But Monty has shown that he's not afraid to turn to that in a pinch, especially with Chris Paul not out there.
1: I think one of the things, too, that is really beneficial that we've seen recently, because I feel like a lot of times where you're going to miss Chris Paul are in those clutch time moments, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, crunch time sons like Chris Paul Mm -hmm. seems to be the leader of that group. Devin Booker obviously shines in there as well. But we saw, you know, some moments where Mikel Bridges knocked down a really important shot. Those guys like Mikel, Cam, Jay, they're not afraid. Not that they were afraid, but Monty's kind of said this. It's that they have more confidence in themselves now to take those shots, to make those plays Mm -hmm. in those moments. So we've seen that growth from them throughout the season. So now that Chris Paul won't be available in those minutes, it's not like these guys will be as nervous maybe or... Um, Just unsure of themselves in those moments. I think they've got a lot more confidence.
2: There's no way that happens at all. Like Cam and Mikhail specifically are ready. They're ready to take that next step and help carry more of the load than maybe in years past. Mm -hmm. Um, And DA, listen, another guy that you're going to point to during this stretch of games is, you know, you talk about wanting that money. um, You have to envision a scenario where Chris Paul is not part of this franchise um, at some point. Are these core four, the core four that you're going to ride with basically for the next decade? Mm-hmm. And DA is has got to do his part in in performing to that level and doing that. Like he's got to prove that. And I, I know it's, it's, it's shitty. It's shitty that we have to sit here and say, well, you got to prove it over and over and over again. And it feels like you're <laughs> kind of moving the goalposts. But mm-hmm. again, opportunities present themselves and you can either take advantage of it or you don't and if you don't it's not going to look good on your future prospects here with the Phoenix Suns. So I would say DA understands that as well. He's willing to help out Devin Booker as much as he possibly can and he'll probably step up his level of play. These four, like th- those are the four that I'm always going to look towards when it comes to to this stretch of games to kind of providing the blueprint of what is in the future for this franchise because we could be we we long have been saying we have set ourselves up for a possible run here. Well, these four guys are going to be a major, major part of that run and really the core of that run. We get a nice little sneak peek into that future right here. You know, right. I'm excited they're,
3: for it. Yeah, they're, they're the present and the future, and you know everybody's going to look to book as the guy that needs to step up with Chris Paul out, but I'm looking just as much to Mikhail, Cam, and, and DA like you're talking about. So the three stats that I pinpointed for these guys, Mikael Bridges over the last 11 games, averaging 19 points, 5.5 rebounds, shooting 62% from the field. He's been getting in a flow, and I think the Suns have been putting an emphasis on getting him more involved offensively to see what he can do for those scenarios in the playoffs when teams hone in on Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And so far, he's been doing very well with that, so I'm excited to see if he can continue that going forward um, because he scored in double figures in every single game over those last 11 Cam Johnson, he's not going to be starting with Chris Paul out, but in his 10 games as a starter when he had more minutes like he's probably going to be getting now that CP3 is out, he averaged 17 points, 5.5 rebounds, shot 55% from the floor, 50% from three. He's proven that if you give him minutes, he will produce. And so it's exciting to have both of those guys on the wings that are capable of producing their own offense, attacking closeouts and kind of hopefully by committee making up for some of the the ball movement and the offense that Chris Paul creates. And then with D.A., this is a huge test for D.A., like you said, um, especially because you look at his field goals. Chris Paul has assisted on 121 of his 266 made field goals, so that's almost 50%. So he's losing a guy who routinely sets him up. Now it's the chance for Devin Booker and D.A. to cement their chemistry that we've seen them have it's a chance for him to maybe initiate some of his own offense like a lot of people have been wanting to see from him he is a guy that gets a lot of his offense from just setting good screens and rolling and cleaning up around the basket but we might see him do a little bit more than we've seen in the past so it's going to be fascinating to watch all three of those youngsters in addition to Devin Booker trying to make this MVP push
1: but we obviously can't ignore the elephant in the room of when it's not point book. Yes, who is the point <laughs> Listen, guard of l- this team? Oh
2: my God, I'm going to lose my mind with this point book stuff.
1: Point why? book, point book, point, point
2: book? book is like, I I get why people want to say point book because they're like, oh, it's obvious he's bringing the ball up, so he's a point book. I'm sure. like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. He brings the ball up it, it, when you're heading down the stretch of this season. The other thing you can't do is wear out Booker. Like mm. you just can't because otherwise you're just completely screwing yourself. Mm. So I think, I hope that money will not allow Devin Booker to really have to bring the ball up. You know, especially when guys are trying to play in full court and all this other stuff, like mm. take the ball out of his hands. Now, when you get actually to your set and having him kind of establish the flow of it, then cool, that's fine. And I think, I think that's what, what people are, are, are looking at with point book versus not point book. If you have to rely on Point Book, you're fucked. You are. You have to have Aaron Holiday campaign and those guys step up and be able to hand, handle those Chris Paul minutes more than you need Devin Booker to prove that he can do that. Because if you have to have Point Book for 80% of the missed Chris Paul minutes,
3: you're going to have an
2: extremely no, no, no. tired and fatigued Point Book when we get to the you're playoffs.
3: You're only using Point Book in a pinch if, like, campaign is not ready for Thursday's game to come back or if Aaron Holiday is having a bad night and you don't want to turn to Alfred Pitt like that's what happened in the Rockets game like they didn't want to go back to Alfred Payton Aaron Holiday can play off the ball a little bit so even if Holiday is bringing the ball up the court it was still Booker who was initiating most of the offense making the reads the playmaking that type of thing because he is a very good playmaker because he was pigeonholed in as a point guard for that one season where the Suns point guards were just trash so he has the playmaking skills nobody i'm not saying they need to be running booker at the one exclusively but point book in a pinch is definitely a lineup that could work for you and historically it's checked out very well as far as you know beating its opponents in a pinch it doesn't have it's not going to be the majority of the minutes because and this is a good segue campaign is supposed to come back soon and landry Shamit is supposed to come back as well and that's going to be huge. I know you're you're already <laughs> laughing at the Shamit thing, but like no I'm campaign not. coming back is going to be big, I, especially if he's ready for Thursday, as I think John Gamadoro reported. I'm not I'm
2: not laughing at the Shamit thing because I think you know maybe to a degree here when when you see CP3 go out, uh, you would like to think that Shamit would have changed his mindset anyway during the season, mm-hmm. but now there's a reality that hits you in the face that if I don't perform. At a high level or a high enough level, mm-hmm. I become Alfred Payton essentially, mm-hmm. and I could be looking at not even being in the league here soon uh, because forty million dollars ain't going to cut it at that rate. You know nice. what I'm saying? So um, there's a there's a stark reality for Shamit right now, and and I would hope that he comes comes back ready to go and and you know performs at a higher level. I think this break probably did him some good because he just. For whatever reason, he, he, there was just no flow to his game whatsoever. It seems like he's he's playing way too fast, and yeah. uh, I think he's going to settle down a little bit more. Book's going to need his guys to step up. Everybody's got to step up at this point. I don't see, like for for Devin Booker to win MVP, I don't think he needs to average like 35 to 40 a game or anything like that. I think he just needs to average between 20 and 25 and 30, not 20. We'd we, we <laughs> we be sorely mistaken there. 25 to 30, but it's the other stats, the rebounds and the assists, mm. um, and even the steals that he's got to pick up to a certain degree. Um, you know, if he was averaging somewhere between six to eight assists a game and maybe elevating his, his rebounds to, you know, seven to nine, somewhere in that range, um, I think now you're talking about him playing at a higher level overall because if his assists pick up, that means he's looking for his other teammates and he's not just going. You know, one on one. And that's my fear with the with the point book from every now and then. And you've even seen with Chris Paul in the lineup at the end of game situations. We've gone back to the 2018 book where it was like ISO at the top of the key, him trying to make a play. And typically that just hasn't felt like it's worked out. But the, the the times he's thrived is he plays within the system and he finds and picks his moment and then he and he attacks hard instead of just kind of waiting the clock out. And that's that's what I think Devin Booker is best at, is playing off of the ball and then when he gets it with like five seconds left as, as, as opposed to just at the top of the key waiting for the clock to go down and then kind of pigeonholing himself into a bad situation, which I feel like he has a tendency to do from time to time.
3: Well, yeah, but those are the isolated scenarios because you look at you know how well he shot in the clutch it's not like that's a play that they're running a ton I I, we should also point out like just from a team perspective yes we would love to see Devin Booker in the MVP conversation but just like from the basic perspective of the Suns holding on to the one seed like if they go 12 and 12 over their last 24 games they go 500 the Warriors would have to go 18 and 3 just to catch them so This six-and-a-half game cushion that they've given themselves is huge Mm -hmm. because even if, you know, Booker doesn't thrive and the young guys kind of struggle and they play 500 basketball, this team is still in really good position to lock up the one seed um, even if all those bad things happen. So we're still in a very good spot even if Book is not like – you know, blowing our socks off, but I, I still think. I mean,
2: know. if the Suns went 12 and 12, your Suns fandom is going to lose their minds. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Obviously, you're not saying it's going to happen. Right, I'm just right. saying, like, we're playing what if worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect them to go at worst 18 and six down the stretch.
1: I mean, they're going to drop a few games. It's inevitable here. Maybe, but if they were to drop a few games, I feel like it would happen later this week, next week, as they're trying to really figure things out mm-hmm. and get that flow. And then obviously, depending on campaign coming back, Landry Schammett coming back, I know there were reports about them being ready to go for this Thursday's game, but you just don't know for sure.
3: Yeah, and We haven't gotten
1: any confirmation on that.
3: Yeah, we haven't gotten any confirmation from the Suns. That was a report from Gambo, but it did seem like Landry Schammett, based on what we had seen from them in practice, that both were working on their conditioning. And Schammett looked good. He looked like he was... Probably ready to play campaign. I'd say he's pretty two close. Words I didn't think I was going to hear this week. And like the Suns, like they have the sixth easiest remaining schedule, right, which is so, another huge factor in yeah. this. They'll yeah. be fine.
1: Okay, real quick, I just want to remind everyone out there that children five and older are eligible for the COVID nineteen vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. Safe, free, and highly affected COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. You guys can get vaxxed and boosted and ready for the playoffs that will be here in no time. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on this whole situation?
3: I do just want to clear up for the chat. I'm not saying they're going to go 12 and 12. Everybody's saying there's no way they're going 12. I'm saying in like a worst-case scenario where they turn into a 500 team.
1: Right. Worst-case scenario, we still have.
3: Yeah, the Warriors still have to go 18 and 3 just to catch. So I'm not saying they're going to go 12 and 12. I think they're going to be better than that. But just wanted to clear that up. Yes.
2: I, I, I know we have a tendency to be like, doomsdayers or whatever people by nature (laughs) i've never really tried to be on that boat i've i've looked at the you know glass half full most of the time and this is another situation where i think opportunity um you know presents itself for guys to really step up and and make more of a name Mm -hmm. uh, than than they already have like mikhail had a great season cam Mm -hmm. has played very well this season like da has been okay like these are the guys that you need to step up and i believe they will and i i look at this more of this is going to be fun to watch yeah. to mm. see how this works out without Chris Paul as opposed to, oh, shit, we're completely screwed. Like, I don't I don't see it that way. And so uh, well, I, and I know these guys are excited, too. Like, OK, everybody talks about how we can't win without Chris. Okay. Everybody wants to be like, oh, we couldn't win because we didn't have Jamal Murray and we didn't have <laughs> Anthony Davis got hurt. You know, you know what? The Suns can be like, yeah, we lost Chris Paul for 24 games and we were still the best team in the league. You guys can all suck it.
1: That's what I'm most looking forward to is that hopefully um, this team does succeed within this time frame pretty well without Chris Paul. And that's not any shade of Chris Paul by any means. It's just that it cements a little bit more, I think, in certain people's minds that even when Chris Paul does maybe have to play less minutes down the road or when he's no longer playing in this league, the Suns are still a bona fide team. They're still going to be able... To do like championship level things, mm-hmm. so I'm also really excited to see what Aaron Holiday does because I feel yes. like he's going to get a lot more minutes. Aaron
3: Holiday is That'll big now. That was a big pickup, and I feel like campaign if he continues what he was doing before he got hurt in that ten or so games because he was getting his season on track. That I mean they're gonna they'll be just fine if they get those two things.
1: Yep. All right, guys, thank you all for tuning in to today's show. If you're listening to this on audio, don't forget to rate and review we appreciate your support if you have not recently checked out gophnx.com, head on over there check out all our new merch gerald's new articles um tomorrow we will have an audio only episode for you guys and then tomorrow we'll let you know what the rest of the week kind of looks like until then you can always follow us on twitter uh the show at phnx underscore sons myself at lindsay smith az saul at saul underscore bookman and Gerald at Gerald Borgay. Anybody want a hoi hoi ass home?
2: Hell no. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> <Bye. laughs>